Welcome to the Elon Missions podcast. I'm your host, Jack Skett, the communications and content creator for Elon Missions. We're here to tell the stories of what God is doing around the world through our missionaries and global partners as we partner with the Spirit in the renewal of all things. Have you ever thought about what it would be like to not have access to the Bible in your first language? It's something many of us probably take for granted, but for millions of people around the world, it just isn't possible to read the Bible in their mother tongue right now. In today's podcast, I'm talking to Elam missionaries Tim and Ali Robinson all about Bible translation and the challenges and joys involved in this massive task. As a self-confessed Bible nerd, I really, really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you do too. So let's get into my conversation with Tim and Ali Robinson. Well, Tim and Ali, thank you so much for joining us on the Elon Missions podcast. It's great to see you on this grey morning. Great to be with you. Fantastic. Um, so I'm aware that many of our listeners may not know who you are. They may not have kept up to date with every single missionary across the work of Elon Missions. I know it's it's shocking, isn't it? Um, I should really work on that but for those who don't know who you are could you just tell us a little bit about yourselves um, where you are where you've come from that sort of thing yeah certainly well i was born at a very young age um, <laughs> um with tim and ali robinson we've, we've been serving with wycliffe bible translators um for 20 years now 20 years um some of which has been sort of in the uk headquarters and um, the past 11 years and has been out in Nigeria supporting um, the work out there, trying to help uh, language communities get access to scripture um, in a language and a media form they can really understand and utilize in their context. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. Wycliffe is something that maybe some people have heard of, or maybe they've heard of the, the man Wycliffe, but could just unpack a little bit more like what what does Wycliffe do uh, you mentioned bible translating that sounds pretty grand what's that about well it's, it is pretty it is pretty grand i mean i i, I think um the, the organization started in, in recognition that um having a bible in english or spanish um just isn't quite enough for many many people in the world i think um, us in the UK um, are what we often describe as monolingual. We tend to speak one language. Sure. Uh, it tends to be how we operate and how we think and how we do. Now, now, I think the UK is also changing quite a lot into a multicultural nation where there's a lot of other languages spoken. But generally, if you're, you know, white English, you speak, you know, one, one language. But actually, globally, we are in the minority. Mm. Most people in, in the world are actually multilingual. Actually, speak multiple languages, um, and, and and I think, sort of, you know, Nigeria is a great is a great example where yes, in theory, English is a, um, you know, the trade language that everyone speaks. But but then you've got three or four other major languages, but then there's a third level of kind of local language of people in their village talking to their mum use, and, and and I think you know, um, Cameron Townsend who started Wycliffe many, many years ago, was in South America giving out Spanish Bibles. Everyone's always excited by a free gift. That seems to be a universal truth. 
However, one lady took the Bible and said, thank you very much. This is all very nice, but I actually can't use it because it's actually not in my language. And, and, and so he went, well, well, let's get you something you can use. And, and, and so the process started of trying to figure out, well, what, what's that going to take? You know, and, that, and that was 80, 82 years ago um, that, that, that that started up. And, and the movement has just grown and grown and grown over the years. And, you know, we're looking at a context where the world has got nearly 8,000 languages in it. Um, the, you know, 2,000 of those aren't even written down yet, let wow. alone have scripture available in them. Um, and, and, and so Wycliffe's vision, you know, that was sort of declared in 1999 was to see um, a translation program begun in every language of the world that needed one. Um, now, one of the things we do as an organization is also a lot of research into language and try to figure out, is this a language? Is this a dialect? Do they need something or not? And obviously, the more research you do, the more you realize, actually, this people group need their own thing if they're really going to be understanding scripture well. So the number keeps growing, which does, does feel like the goalposts are moving for a vision, um, number-based vision. Um, we firmly, firmly believe that God loves every person on the planet. Absolutely. He wants to have a relationship with every person on the planet. Mm. And, and, and therefore, it doesn't matter if the language community is big or small, that they've got to have access to scripture they can understand and utilize if they're really going to flourish um, in, in, in their relationship with God and helping the local church fulfill the mission that God's given them, um, often described as the Great Commission, which is to reach the people around them. Um, they need the right tools to do that. And so I think really, um, I mean, I certainly grew in understanding in Nigeria that, that our position is to help develop the tools for the church to fulfill what God's called them to do. We're not somehow an independent um, you know, function of missions that we're out planting churches or developing things of our own. We're trying to serve the church that already exists um, and, and, and help them be successful in what God's called them to do. And the way we do that is to tool them up with scripture that people can understand um, both in language and, and media forms, whether that's you know, audio recordings or, or video stuff, or um, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's kind of cool. Recently, I don't know if you saw, there was a there was a BBC article recently about a Bible translation project that is going on in British Sign Language. Oh, wow. Go, go to the BBC website. Go to the BBC website and Google BSL Bible. Um, and there's an absolutely fabulous article about the process um, that... that you know, Bible translators go through and what impact it has on the people when they receive it. It's fabulous comment in there from a, from, from a BSL speaker um, about how transformational has been just being involved in the project, let alone getting the final, um, fi fi final article. Um, because when people can understand scripture, it means they understand what Jesus has done for them and they can be in relationship. Wow. I mean, it, you know, we're blessed to have hundreds of different versions in English to help people understand better. Um, but, but the reality is millions and millions of people don't, don't have that opportunity yet. Wow. And that's kind of what kind of what got us sucked into this kind of ministry is recognition of the, the place of the Bible in people's mm. spiritual journey. Um, and, and yeah, just the, the mind blowing statistics of how many people don't have that opportunity yet. Um, and I sort of ended up in Nigeria on a trip. And was sort of, yeah, just blown away by Nigeria's statistics. You know, 520 languages. Wow. At that time, 300 of which weren't even written down yet. Hundreds of projects. And it was like millions of people in language communities without the opportunity. And I sort of sat, sat at lunch with a director one time and went, hey, so 
is it anything possible that you know useful I could contribute to this if we were to consider coming out here sometime? I've got no linguistic background. I've got no training um, in theology, um, but I love a good spreadsheet. I can help organize stuff. Um, while, you know, I can run reports on computers, you know, sort of, I mean, it was, it was, I felt like I was sort of scraping the barrel of administrative tasks to find if there was something I could do. Um, and he just sort of looked at me and went, um, certainly, which of these three jobs would you like? Um, wow. 18 months later, we were out there. Um, and, you know, over time, you know, between us, we've done, we've done loads of different, loads of different stuff. I mean, Ali's, you know, in the, in the last few years, especially had you know super significant role, role in trying to capture all of the data about Nigerian languages, trying to capture all the data about all the work that is going on in those languages between kind of 15 different organizations in, in order to help those organizations think strategically about what next and how do we finish the task. Wow. And you're kind of going, you know, you, you sort of start to think about things like that kind of going, actually, it's, 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 it's quite cool to be able to be involved even as a, a, you know, a non-linguist um, non-theologian you know, to help see some, some, some of those significant things start to happen I, and what I heard yesterday I'm not even sure Ali knows about this oh <laughs> yes, exclusive yesterday, those, yeah, yeah just in, just in. <laughs> those organisations have gotten their heads together enough now with understanding what is going on in the country that they've got in touch with a funder who's helping work with them to write up a project to fund the next 40 translation projects. Amazing. Which, which, which is staggering. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's mostly that that many people can agree on something um, <laughs> and, and, and let alone find a funder who's going to go, yeah, this is a, this is a huge task. I'd love to jump in and help figure that out. And, and honestly, if Ali hadn't been running around getting forms signed so that we could collect information, there's, there's no way they could have got to that point. Um, wow. And you sort of imagine those 40 communities you know, down the line getting scripture so that individuals, churches and, and the community can be transformed. You're kind of going absolutely amazing to have been able to be part of that for a while. I think this is something that we take for granted so much that you, you mentioned that we've in the UK have multiple hundreds of mm. versions of the Bible translated into English. So the idea of not being able to access the Bible uh, I mean, I, just yeah. on your phone, it's there. It's all the time. Yeah. It's free. Uh, it's just quite incredible. Yeah. And one of the things that I was, I wanted to dig into. You mentioned already was uh, just thinking about Nigeria. I know a lot of Nigerian people, and they all speak perfect English. But I'm also aware <laughs> of that there's lots of tribes and and different uh, different people groups yeah. within the nation. Like you mentioned the the work that Ali was doing with the the administrative side of things. Ali, could just just talk to us a little bit about what that work was like, the impact that you saw in Nigeria. What the, the task sounds monumental. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you are talking about over five hundred languages. So if you can imagine trying to find out even something as simple as, or how many people actually speak each of those languages, um, where exactly are those languages spoken? Um, it's it's huge and it's it's a, it's not a job that one person can do in any way shape or form. Um, so I worked with um, with our, our language assessment survey department. They would go out to new areas where we heard that there were languages, um, and they do a bit of on the ground research and just sort of talking to people, trying to understand um, how big the language is, how many people speak it, is it actually something that's growing? Is it being passed on to the younger kids? Um, mm -hmm. 
And I'd also work with the other Bible translation organizations in the country to understand, well, okay, what languages are you currently working in? Mm -hmm. um, because although you've got so many languages and so much need, there's still always the potential when you've got, we had about 20 different Bible translation organizations working in Nigeria. Wow. So there's a huge amount of potential there for, for overlap um, and for two organizations to start working the same language. Yeah. And when the need is so great, you can't do that. It's like mm. these resources are so precious and so few, they need to be targeted to the right languages so that you're not getting duplication of effort and then a language doesn't get anything at all. Yeah. Um, so I was working with them to understand, okay, which languages are you working in? What kinds of things are you doing with them? Maybe one organization is doing um, just some audio recordings um, of some scripture, but maybe another organization is saying, well, actually, we'd like to do um, a full New Testament. Well, okay, can you work together to make that happen mm -hmm. rather than working in, against each other? Can you work yeah. together to actually um, achieve even more than you had hoped? Wow, um, yeah. So that was, uh, what was tricky at the beginning was um, cultural challenges around knowledge. So I think in, in the UK, at least I would say, we treat knowledge, generally speaking, as being something that should be freely available, we should pass on to anybody, we shouldn't withhold knowledge to ourselves. But we yeah, think, or, or skills. Isn't it? Or if, skills I, if I yeah. know how to yeah. do something, I, I, if you ask for help, of course I'm going to help you. Yeah. And, you know, gain that knowledge from me on, 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 how, on, how, on how to do something. Yeah. Um, but, but we have an opposite attitude to our possessions. We think of the things that we own as being very much ours, hmm. and we have no obligation to share them with anybody else or to, to give them to somebody else. Um, the opposite tends to be true, certainly in Nigeria, where knowledge is yours. That's something that you protect very carefully. It belongs exclusively to you. You don't have to share it. There's no expectation on you sharing that knowledge. But your possessions, you will share them freely, and you're expected to share them freely with anybody who might need them. So it's not wow. that they have a wrong attitude to knowledge necessarily, but they have a different attitude yeah. wow. um, than we do. So encouraging the other organization organizations to share what they were doing, the knowledge of what, where they were working, this was tricky at the beginning. And so we started out by saying, well, this is what we're doing um, and being very open about all the different projects we were involved in, what our goals were. Um, and then gradually, as I sort of built relationship with people, they started sharing as well what they were doing. And so by the end, about well, about a month before we left Nigeria, yeah, um, there'd been a large conference or organized for all the, the major church leaders in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. So they invited all the church leaders for all the denominations in Nigeria to come to this big conference about Bible translation. Um, and I was able to present there about exactly what has been done so far and exactly what the need is. Um, and it was just really exciting to have the opportunity to speak to these people mm -hmm. who, who, these are the, these are the stakeholders. These are the people who, who are going to use these translations. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that really care. And we could talk to them about, well, how far away are we actually from making this happen? And it turns out a very long way. It was organized by NEMA, which is sort of the, Niger the Nigerian Evangelical Missionary Alliance. So, so it wasn't a Bible translation organization trying to gather people. It was this huge umbrella organizations that church know, love and respect and participate with, recognizing the need for Bible translation and saying, well, let's get together and have a conversation. Wow. And, you know, and after Ali's sort of presentation and conversation, you know, the conference moved on to go, well, what are we going to do about that? Amazing. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and so to see a sort of a, a Nigerian organization grasp that, do that, and then actually action it. Was, I mean, so exciting. What um, an opportunity. So uh, yeah. You, you might not be able to answer this question. And I, even if you can, it probably doesn't have one single answer. 
Uh, so I need to think through how, how am I going to ask this properly? But I'm curious, roughly, how long would it take to to translate the Bible into, say, one one language, <laughs> one travel language? I recognise this is a crazy question to ask, but I'm just trying to grasp the scale of the task, it's even in, in one silo of that. So um, there is no one answer. Right? As I thought. A, 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 there are loads and loads and loads of factors that that that, that you know go, go in go into that. Um, mm. Is is there an established church in the community that, that are wanting this thing and ready to engage with it and, and are going to put um, people and funds and time and effort behind it to help make it happen? Mm. Um, if you have the ideal scenario and you've got people that are trained, you've got you know um, people within the community. Uh, that that um, are, are able to learn how to do the stuff quickly. Um, you, 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 I mean, one of the struggles with Nigeria is all the expertise um, ends up leaving the country to go overseas because they can get better paid jobs doing the same thing, so they can then send money home. Yeah, and and, and that's you know that's that's a part of the huge draw. Um, we want a better life for us. We want a better life for our families. So they leave the country. Yeah, and that, so so that means in some in in some. Um, language communities, the pool of people available uh, don't necessarily have this, this, the same education level to be able to really jump in and be effective. So, uh, you know, all, all of those things are, well, if you find the right educated people, they know how to use computers already, they know their language well, they understand um, writing systems, and, and you get the right expertise that's able to help them, and you get the right funders that are able to, 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 to help make it happen with the right sort of activities that you really think need to go in there. You probably could get a New Testament in, in in anything sort of in five to seven years. Wow! If you if everything is absolutely yeah. absolutely perfect and nothing happens in the meantime, nobody dies along the way, no um, global pandemics kick in, funders don't withdraw, experts don't go on furlough, etc. 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 You could you could get it done. Wow! But I don't know any context. Or circumstance where that happens. No, of course, nothing so, is ever perfect, is it? So, so, so realistically, <laughs> one of my jobs in Nigeria was to look after all of our language programs teams, um, and, and 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 I reckon in the context we were working in Nigeria, wanting to put all the checks and balances in that we as an organisation want to see in terms of we've our, we've used the language well. Mm. We want to make sure this translation is clear and natural mm. and accurate. Yeah. So we put a lot of exegetical checks in to make sure we haven't accidentally slipped a heresy in there. Very um, important. It's a Bible. I it's, mean, it's yeah. like, you don't mess with it. Um, yeah. it, it, takes, it takes a little bit longer. So I always reckon it's going to be 10 to 12 years for, for, for a New Testament. Um, just because we want to, we we put in a few more steps than than some of the other organisations do, but 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 it's still staggering, um, despite all of those steps. And there's a lot of them from from drafting, checking, testing, experts, community checking, re-editing, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, there was one project we were working with that got to <clears throat> the final read through, and he was doing some testing, and he'd had someone record it so he could play it to people so they could hear. What, what was about to get printed that's the final testing stage before going to the typesetting and publication and and, and and the way you do it is you play a clip and you ask some questions about it to test if someone's understood it sure and this one guy listened to the recording and went I'm not I'm not sure it's quite right this guy was in church preaching last week and he sort of said it somehow differently than this when 
it came, when push came to shove, like they had put a character in the wrong place in the sentence in the translation work, and it made it sound like Jesus was dying for his own sins, not no. the sins of the world. All, all, all because of this tiny, tiny little intricate bit of grammar in the language. So, so somehow it, it, it got twisted around. Wow. And it's gone through all the checks and testing, and you got so close to publishing, and it just this one little tweak, and you're kind of going, that would be really bad if we, yeah. if we published. Yeah, that would be yeah. pretty terrifying. That's game over right? for that, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. And you know, and, and you kind of you're sat in the office having a cup of tea with, with the people who are doing the testing, and they're kind of going, "Oh, yeah, we just found a good one today." And you're sort of kind of going, "Hang on a second, <laughs> that's not a coffee break conversation. That is, you know, like." mind-blowing yeah that's you know? almost and, uh, huge heresy being published right and it really spoke to me about just how careful we got to be yeah and it really challenged some of sort of my mindset and thinking that actually speed is not the answer mm. uh, and, 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 and as much as we are absolutely desperate for everyone to have access to scripture uh, it's absolutely pointless if what they end up with isn't actual scripture oh absolutely um, we're really trying to figure out where's the fine line sort of in the urgency and the accuracy and and those two often seem to work in, in opposites yeah. um you know in in, in, in opposites as, as, as we figure that out but, but but at the same time as all of that is going on you know there is some super innovative thinking about how do, how, how, how do we um sort of crowdsource um data Mm. Uh, for the languages there's loads of innovation going on sort of with with computer ai and how it can learn the language and help us um especially in some of the early stages can it can it if we put enough linguistics data in about a language can it look at scripture and spit out a draft for us and save us hours and hours and hours and hours of work um and, and some very cool things that, that we, we have one guy in nigeria it's a phd holder and and, and, and the research work he's currently doing it was how, how can we get a computer to hear the words and and recognize the, the sort of the, the the alphabet that's behind it so we can sketch out your orthography wow. how a language is written down just based on hearing a recording and, wow. and stuff like that you kind of going I, I i couldn't tell you how to write it down hearing it myself so i have no yeah. idea how a computer's going to do it because i'm no you know, I've got no link, link sort of training in, in, in my body. And, and so, so there's loads of cool little things like that going on. Um, and, and, and they're all designed to try and help with the urgency question whilst not sacrificing the accuracy question. Mm. And so, yeah, I mean, it is, oh, yeah, yeah. And you've got to remember that you're, you're dealing almost always with languages that aren't even written down. Yeah. They're purely oral languages. They're just wow. spoken, just word of mouth. No one's ever written them. They're not used in writing in any way, shape or form. Um, and so starting from there, you're starting a long way back. Mm -hmm. You've got to yeah. start by, well, how are we going to write the language in such a way people can learn to read it? How are we going to teach people to read the language as well? Wow. <laughs> um, and obviously often the end product ends up being um, not just a physical print Bible, but also mm -hmm. an audio version mm -hmm. as well. Because if a language mm -hmm. starts out as oral, probably people yeah, yeah. are most used to processing information orally yeah so actually they, they need it to be able to really get it into their hearts actually they need mm -hmm. it in an oral version not in a print version yeah but that also enables you to to engage with loads of the, sort of the multimedia resources out there i mean the yeah. jesus film right is like one of those things that everybody knows about yeah um and, and i think it's sort of so, so many people in the uk will have, will have heard of it and um it, 
I guess I didn't really quite get it until I'm with a language community. We had some visitors with us. They, they were, you know, sort of big supporters of the Jesus film. And their request before coming out was, any, any, any chance we could arrange a viewing with this community? It just so happens the community we're visiting had just had their sort of Jesus film launched a couple of years before. So, so we, we tried to figure out how to, how, to, how to make it happen. We got out there. And it was the first time I really sat with a community and watched it happen. And as people watch it and they see Jesus speak in their language, it's absolute silence. I mean, and you never get that in, in, in any sort of Nigerian church context. I've never witnessed absolute silence in just awe of what is going on. And, and, and you get towards the end and sort of seeing people respond, kind of going, well, if Jesus is actually doing that and he's done it for me, yeah, of course I want it. I mean, I mean, absolutely absolutely mind-blowing mind sort of the multimedia resources. Um, but also, you sort of got a younger generation now who love technology. Yeah. I mean, it's no different. It's, it's you know, all the things we see here with youngsters, TikTok and all of that stuff, um, people around the world are still utilising it. Mm. So we know a language community um, in, in countries that we don't confess that we work in um, that, that are doing loads of sort of short little TikTok-style video recordings of scripture so they can pass it around their friends. Um, and, and, and utilize multimedia for doing stuff like that. And you're kind of going, well, that is a super neat way um, to, to be utilizing technology and sharing stuff and, 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 and going in that direction. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's I, I, my new job with the global team, I'm super excited to kind of find out more about what people are doing elsewhere in the world um, and, and, and to see sort of how, how God's using... Yeah, that kind of creative solution to sharing the sharing scripture. Yeah, I think the opportunity is so massive now, isn't it? And it's, as somebody who works yeah. in in social media uh, for about half of my time, I, I'm really aware that there's never been a time quite like this where we we can get the gospel out to the the nations mm -hmm. of the world in in ways that mm -hmm. we couldn't before. Um, the social yeah, media yeah. and digital communications are such a great tool. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's fascinating to hear about yeah. how that's being used in Bible translation and in communicating scripture, to, yeah, yeah. particularly in those contexts where there is no written language. Uh, you mentioned your new mm -hmm. job. Uh, I'm, I'm in danger here because I could talk to you guys about what we've just been talking about for hours, uh, <laughs> but our listeners might prefer to uh, keep to the length of this. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe I need to actually meet you guys for a coffee and <laughs> pick your brains about this because I am a certified yeah, Bible nerd. <laughs> uh, I love this stuff. Um, but. I, I, I'm aware last year you guys moved back to the UK. Uh, you've got new roles now yeah. in a new location. So what does that look like uh, as UK-based missionaries? What What is that even? <laughs> well, and um, we we are exploring and trying <laughs> to understand what, what what you know what that means. But we've had some great conversations with sort of the Ian Missions Office. We've had great conversations with. The pastor at our new church because not only have we just moved back to the uk we've moved to the other end of the uk from where we were based based before um and and, and i think really, really as we process that in, in in sort of our sabbatical time um I, I think we've established in our at least in our minds um that um if, if, if you're serving a global organization who are working with language communities everywhere. I mean, as part of a, the global team, you can really be based anywhere you like. True. Um, 
and 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 because effectively it's it's a remote assignment. You know, I've I've, I've spent more hours on Zoom in in the last three weeks than I probably did in the last you know twelve months, um, just because of how things work and operate. Yeah. Um. So so, so the, the 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 role I've got is to try and help some of the international language services teams. And they're like the technical people, the, ex the global experts on stuff like linguistics and language development and, and you know, all, all the various issues around sort of translation, grammar, phonology, all that stuff I don't really understand. Um, and you'll know I don't understand it if you ever read an email that I've written. Um, <laughs> trying to, trying, quite illegible. Quite, quite illegible, quite dyslexic, brilliant. Um, and I type faster than my brain thinks, so it doesn't, anyway. Um, so I'm trying to help all those teams um, th th think think through some of their management processes, help them get onto a new management tool um, that our organisations deployed. Also trying to help those teams think about sustainable funding. Um, we, we've got these global pools of experts that used to have, you know, people just donate money and say, do whatever you like with it. Um, we, we would call that undesignated funding, right? Yeah. As opposed to the people who are like, here's my 10 quid, please do exactly what I want you to do with it in this project yeah well everybody is coming going i really want to fund a project now mm -hmm. which means the money available for the global experts is disappearing and so part of my job is to help them think through well what are the alternative sort of sustainable funding opportunities models so that they can continue providing their expertise to all of the language communities that, that need it so one step further back than the language projects that i used to be um but 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 you know we're I, I was talking to, to, to one of the team leaders um, last week about it, and I'm kind of going, tell me about your team. Like, who are you serving? And she's kind of going, well, you know, we've got 12 experts on this team, and between them, they, they probably engage with about 120 language communities during the course of a year. And I'm sat kind of going, how many? Um, and I'm kind of going, You're and she's kind of going, and, and the reality is if we can't figure out the funding issue to help do that, that's, you know, 120 language communities that are not going to receive the help they need. To, to get scripture that's going to help transform their lives and their communities. And I'm sat going, I can, I can definitely start thinking about how we do that together um, and, 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 figure, and, and figure that out. And I'm sat going, if that, if that is duplicated across all 10 teams, you know, that's, that's quite a lot of language communities receiving help from, from, from these global experts. Yeah. Um, and, and, I, and I always think of it like, if I can use my skills to help do that stuff, it means the people who have got expertise can focus on using their expertise and help more communities rather than sort of spending all their time head down trying to figure out a budget. Well, let's see if I can help them figure out the budget so they can focus on really doing what God's called them to do in terms of serving, serving communities. Wow. Um, and your new job, which is just coming together this morning. Oh, good, because I was thinking, I've, I've yeah, read your last few newsletters and yeah, thinking, yeah. what is Ali's job? This is hot I off the press. I think it's just coming to Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it, so it looks like I'll be doing something kind of similar to what I was doing before. Um, so looking at information about languages, um, particularly focusing on things like um, the population sizes, time people actually speak each language, hmm. um, but also looking at how many, the people who speak that language, do they also speak another language that actually maybe they could access scriptures through that instead. Right. Now, my personal feeling is that actually everybody should have scriptures in the language that they um, that they first learned to speak in, yes. because generally speaking, that's the one that speaks to your heart. That's the mm. one that really connects with your emotions and you really <laughs> Whereas, yeah, yeah. I mean, 
I could probably just about muddle through reading a few verses in French, but it's not going to hit my heart, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so uh, yeah, so, but, but I'll be working, rather than working just with Nigeria, I'll be working with countries all over the world. So the first part of it will be focusing primarily on Nigeria, but it will also be supporting any other countries that say, well, actually, we're aware we've got some big holes in our information about languages spoken in our countries. Mm -hmm. Can you help us work out how to fill in those holes? Mm -hmm. Wow, fascinating. So, again, the idea is to take the same principle as Nigeria, blow it up globally, where you've got hundreds of organizations um, tr trying to figure out what, what, what are the next steps, how do we finish this task? Mm. And, and again, they, they are better served by accurate information yeah. and accurate data about what is going on and, and what the needs are. Um, and sort of coming in the back of a research project which says we've got loads of holes. Yeah. Um, and, and so, so, so I think they're all hunting you down for that job, having seen that what you've done in Nigeria, aren't they? To go, well, she's, she's managed it there, get something <laughs> moving. Let's, let's see, how, how, how do we you know, you, you utilize all those skills at a global level. Wow. Yeah, scary. What it's an scary. amazing it'd be, thing. It'd be fun. What just an amazing thing it'd to be, be involved fun. with. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're Absolutely. we're running short on time, but I just I'm I'm aware that we've in in all that we've been talking about, we've said a lot about Wycliffe. We've talked a lot about Bible translation, but people might be wondering, what's the link with Elam missions? And I think many people who are kind of on the fringes of the work of Elam missions might not know that a lot of our missionaries are also with other organisations. So what's the, uh, yeah, yeah. What's that been like for you being both Elam missionaries and working with Wycliffe? How's that interplay gone? Uh, what does it mean for you to be Elam missionaries in the context you've been in and where you are now? Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's funny because I mean, you sort of imagine that that would be an extra layer of complication. Um, but it's, 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 somehow it doesn't feel doesn't feel complicated to us. You know, we were at an Elam, Elam, Elam church when we joined Wycliffe. Um, I didn't even really, this is a confession, I didn't even really know that Elim Missions was a thing um, um, at the time because it just wasn't on our radar. We were sucked into the Wycliffe world. You know, there's loads, loads, loads going on there. And, and, and I think our, our pastor um, in Risborough at the time was kind of going, hey, look, you guys are doing this thing. Um, you know, have you had any conversations with the missions team? And I was sort of going, oh, not, not really. Um, and, and Jeff drove us up to Malvern <laughs> and I sat, sat down, sat down. I want to say it was Chris, Chris Jones at the time, yeah. free Paul Hudson, um, and, and sat, sat, sat down. And, and, it, and it, it was about a 20 minute conversation. And by the end of it, we were sort of signing papers. Um, <laughs> I mean, because the, the way Chris, the, the way Chris described it is, you know, you, you're a member of the Elim Church. You're serving the missions community. You're actually serving the purposes of Elim. By, by helping churches get access to scripture, which which will actually serve our mission's ends in helping grow churches globally. Those churches, are, you know, will be better served if they have scripture available. So, so this isn't an either or thing. This is a we are together in this thing. See the value in this thing. Let's let's let let's let's go with it together. So, so you want to make it more complicated? We always describe ourselves as Elim missionaries working with Wycliffe seconded to SIL, which is actually Wycliffe's implementing partner often on, on the ground and in the field. So we've, we've actually got three three parts of our wow. um, of, of, of our description. How do you get that on but a business Ultimately, class? ultimately. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. The, the logistics behind what it takes to get us in the position where we can serve in these roles is, is, is sort of irrelevant if God's called us yeah. to do this stuff. You know, the logistics figured somehow 
seem to always figure their figure their way out. But you know, we we've always felt like so loved and supported, like by the Elin Missions team. Um, the, the connectivity of it all, even though we're all doing loads of different stuff in loads of different places. And that the pastoral heart, you know, of Ian and his team that are always checking in, kind of going, how's it going? Taking it seriously when you're going actually having a rough week um, or not quite sure what next. Um, you know, Ian's support through our furlough journey to figure out what next has just been abs- absolutely brilliant. Um, and, and honestly, I can tell you, if I said we were going to leave Wycliffe um, and, and this is what we believe God's going to do, Ian would have had some hard questions, but he would have been with us on that. Yeah. He's not there with some... Sort of trying some. He's not there with some sort of mindset that says, "Oh, you must do what Ian needs you to do." He's there, kind of going, "What is God calling you to do, and how do we journey with you on that?" And, and it is honestly an absolutely brilliant journey mm. um, with, with, with the team. We haven't regretted it for a no. single day, making our logistical lives more complicated by being involved with, with, uh, with you know, with, with, with the team. Um, totally worth it. Totally, totally, worth, totally, totally well, worth it. That's good to know. I was just, I was just going to drop in. You, you, you flashed your phone a minute ago talking about access to scripture. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, you're a church leader, so you've never been bored in a sermon. Um, <laughs> but um, I, when we're out sharing what we're up to, um, you know, loads of people use the YouVersion Bible app. Yeah. And, and part of what our organization does is help populate it. Wow. Um, so when a translation gets done, it gets uploaded to a system, and, and, and that system actually helps to populate YouVersion. So I, I, I want to say to listeners, Obviously, don't tell your pastor you're doing this. But next time you're bored in a sermon, go to the scripture and go into you version and see if you can find like the fun looking languages <laughs> um, that, that have got cool scripts. And you can go and have a look at um, some, some, some of the output of our work, which ends up on there. Wow. I, we're, we're fast running out of time. In fact, we're in danger of overrunning. We've just had such a fascinating conversation. I, I want to ask you before we finish the same question I'm asking all of our guests on the podcast. Uh, what would you say to our listeners that will encourage them to join in with God's mission where they are? Well, I think I'd say the Great Commission doesn't just say it's to like one or two people. Mm. It's to all of us. Um, no matter what we're doing, no matter where we are, no matter who's employing us or who's like who we're working under, the Great Commission is that is to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is our job to make disciples of all nations. And that may be your own nation. And that's okay. That's great. Um, I I think it's so important that we take that seriously and we say, okay, what can I do? And I think a lot of that, I would say personally, is about spending time with God, getting to know him really well and listening to him and saying, okay, if there are opportunities around me, show me those opportunities and he will. Mm. Um, If you are really opening yourself up and being willing to take a step out of faith um, to tell others about Jesus or to to disciple somebody who already knows about Jesus, then if you open yourself up to, to look for opportunities for that, he'll provide those opportunities yeah, without definitely. a doubt. Definitely, yeah, yeah. And I, and, and, and I would say, without, <clears throat> if possible, without being like a, a royal aide who is offensive asking the question, where are you from? Um, I, I would say rec- recognise the multicultural environment that you're in. Hmm. Uh, don't, don't be afraid of that. Don't be like, oh, I'm not sure how to do that. That'd be offensive. Start your conversation and go, hey, look, I don't know how to ask this conversation. I don't want to offend you. I want to get to know you. Tell me about yourself. You know, um, obviously loads of people are second or third generations. Well, I'm from London. They're going to go, well, great. You don't have to push it further. You know, do you speak any other languages? It's always a great question. You know, when you find, uh, you know, 
I was hugely reminded over Christmas about how Jesus' family were refugees for a while. And it's sort of, you know, our context with loads of people coming in. Well, let's get alongside them and say, how do you do it? Yeah. What do you need? How do we help? Mm-hmm. You know, we've got a lovely lady in, in the church we've just, just joined who sometimes struggles with English. Um, and, and she's a Farsi speaker. And I saw her scribbling notes in Farsi. I tell you what, that is a beautiful language if you want to look at one. Mm. Just the script and everything else. And I sat and went, hey, do, do you need some help with that? is there anything I can do to help explain it simpler so you can grasp it? And she was like, no, I've just pulled up my phone app so I've read the scriptures in, in my language and I'm going to go, all right then, carry on. Um, but I mean, let's not be afraid to ask those conversations. Yeah. You know, if somebody wants, you know, if you've got a load of language speakers coming into your church, figure out how to include them and involve them. Get them to do a song in their language. Get your band to learn a song in their language so you can participate in God's, you know, creativity. Um, and there's loads of opportunities like that that, 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 that don't require a million dollars to go overseas. But you can be thinking about right, right where you are and, and start engaging in, in, in that stuff. And, and you, you, know, you never know what doors God will open if we start being brave to talk to some people that don't look like us. Yeah. Don't sound like us. Mm. And let's figure it out. We can do that stuff right where we are every day. Yeah. Wow. Tim, Ali, thank you so much. This has been a really great conversation i hope that our listeners will enjoy listening to it as much as i've enjoyed taking part in it really appreciate you coming on the podcast today and giving up your time bless you both thank you thanks for having us yeah bless you man definitely come and have a cup of tea i would love that wow what a great conversation with tim and ali robinson you know sometimes you meet people and there's like an instant connection as if you've known each other for a long time and that that was my experience there with them absolutely loved talking with tim and ali hearing about the work of wycliffe and the massive task of bible translation which is seemingly going to continue going on for many many years to come i hope that you found that really inspiring listen do join us next week i'll be speaking to dave hodgson an elon missionary out in spain to talk about what it's like to lead church and make disciples on the Costa del Sol. Uh, In the meantime, hey, if you've got any questions that you would love us to address on a future podcast, then do get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. Maybe put a comment on our social feeds or send us a DM or you can email me, jack.sket at elim.org.uk. We'd love to be able to address some of your questions in a future episode. Uh, I've been Jack. It's been great to have you here on the podcast and we'll see you next time.